0: Hello and welcome to Stampede Insights, a podcast created to give you a behind the scenes look into what's happening at Stampede. I'm Brock Furlong, President and CEO. And on each podcast, Stampede team members will get together to chat about new and interesting things at Stampede, in the food service industry, and of course, in their own lives. Thanks for joining us. uh, this afternoon, I'm here with Vito Justino, our Chief Operating Officer for Stampede Meat. Let's, uh, Vito, let's start with uh, one, one thank you for doing this. Of course. For being a guinea pig. My pleasure. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of the negative headlines that we have in our industry. But before we do that, let's start maybe with a bit of your background. Where did you grow up? Okay. And what did you do before you arrived at Stampede?
1: So I am a Chicago native. I grew up in Chicago. I went to DeBall University, got my bachelor's in accounting, uh, and then I got my MBA from Northern Illinois University. Uh, my twenty-nine year career has given me the privilege to work for companies like Baxter Healthcare, Kraft Foods, and Maple Leaf Foods, and then ultimately I joined the Stampede Meat family.
0: Cool. So, what's your uh, being a Chicago native? What's your uh, favorite uh, Chicago sports team and why?
1: Oh my, that's uh, well. I think uh, I am a Chicago Bears fan first. Um, it's just the sport attracts me. And uh, and then when it comes to baseball, I'm a White Sox fan, so let's not get into that. Oh,
0: no, well, you must have been crying last night then with the Blackhawks loss. I did.
1: I did painful, but I didn't expect them to do much, to be honest. But no. I saw they played pretty well overall. So
0: The fact that they even won game four was. Yeah, for like sure. Crawford was standing on his head oh, yeah. like nothing. <laughs> I was oh. like, "There's no way they should have won that game." Okay. No, yeah,
1: I mean, but they were—they were in all three—all the games. They were, they were in they all were. the games, y'all. You know, yeah. One, 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 goal games all across the board. But yep. I was hoping they would have tied it up yesterday. I kind of had a, a feeling it was going to be a late night, but yeah, they it felt like it, at, and yeah. they just could not yeah, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't
0: get it done. So, uh, so tell me a bit about your journey at Stampede Meat. Um, how long you've been with our team, and kind of what it's been like?
1: Okay, uh, I joined in 2011 as CFO. Um, In that role, under your leadership, we kind of worked through setting up what I call blocking and tackling and getting the business from probably a bit of a challenging time over to kind of a stable base and then focused on the growth. Um, I joined in 2011, and then in 2019, I uh, transitioned from CFO
0: to COO. What was the biggest challenge in that move from to COO?
1: You know, I think the biggest challenge for me was being able to let go or... Ensure that I've completed everything in my CFO role or make sure that Vito T, who took on the CFO role, had everything he needed to be successful. I didn't want any balls to be dropped. So juggling both roles initially and making sure that everything transitioned appropriately to to, uh, set up the company for success. Cool. So
0: I know everything's always balloons and candy at Stampede. Mm -hmm. So the next question you may not be able to answer, but uh, what do you like most and what do you like least? You know, it's funny,
1: it's funny, I get that question a lot, to be honest. Oh, really? Recently. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, you know, what <laughs> because I,
0: you're in the protein industry and you're a villain. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs>
1: you're killing people. Um, I think what I like most about Stampede is is the team and our family. Um, what we do is great. I mean, again, we're not curing cancer, unfortunately, or, you know, bring something peace <laughs> you know, or COVID. Um, but, you know, we... Problem solving and learning and and celebrating with this team is really what kind of gets me up in the morning and reward and rewarding. I think what I like least, I don't know that it, it's something I don't like. I wouldn't say it's about not liking it. It's it's really about am I doing it enough to set the rest of the team up? for success in the long run that's what kind of drives me every morning thinking like did I do enough here to set up you know Ishmael to be successful in his role and am I doing enough for Alicia to make sure she's successful in her role so that's the challenging part of it but again because of the team you know we want them to be just as you know as successful as they can be whether it remains here at Stampede or you know they get bullets on their resume and they find a different fit somewhere else so I think that that's probably the the most challenging part of it
0: Let's turn the conversation to the wonderful world of COVID because I mentioned it a few times here now. Um, I I can distinctly remember hearing about it back in uh, December uh, of last year and and, and never thinking that we'd be talking about the consequences of it still now. Even when we did the first policy in late February and began to kind of combat it, if you will, internally, I, I still didn't think that... In August, we'd be still talking about it. Sure. I thought it—I thought it would be a thing, but it wouldn't be the thing. Yeah. So I'm just curious as to how you feel about it because you're more far more frontline than I am in this world.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to echo what you said. I absolutely did not think we'd still be talking about it here in August of 2020. Um, I recall the meeting where we had our executive leadership team meeting, and you had asked a question about, "Hey, I haven't been following it too much," and it was probably around December, January. I, you knew about it, but we hadn't really, and we we were all chatting about it. We talked about how, well, it's like an aggressive flu that there's no vaccine for. And, and in my head, I just kept thinking, ah, eh, a couple months, three, four months, and then it'll die off or we'll come up with some sort of, and obviously not a vaccine, but some sort of resolution to the issue. Um, it's definitely um, magnified itself in a short period of time pretty quickly. It is the issue that we have to deal with. But in my head, I, I thought we'd have it all under control within two to three
0: months. Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. The, um, one of the things that's been the worst part for me of this so far um, is, is just the negative headlines yeah. that have been in place for, for our industry, the protein yeah. industry. Um, and it is, you know, it's far reaching for me. And it's and, it, and it's become personal quite a few times mm-hmm. as well, which is the weird part. Like neighbors that know what I do. Yeah. That avoid me. Hmm because I work in the industry <laughs> and you know, it's, it's, it's weird, but true. And and, and I guess I get it, but you know, the, h- how you, it, like, it's difficult when that happens, when it's difficult that you, you feel like you're a bit of a villain, sure. you know, and, and obviously you've had to lead your team in the COVID task force to try to keep a positive energy around what we're doing. And because if we're not positive, how can possibly the 1500 or so people that we employ be positive? Yeah.
1: So, a couple things there <clears throat> similar in the broad brush that is painted in the media industry got you know brushed over us as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends and neighbors, same deal. Anytime there'd be an article about Tyson or or JBS, they'd shoot it to me and they'd be like, hey you know, like, hey, what's up with you guys? You yeah. know, or like, and they would throw it my way as well. So, educating people on the differences between what we do and what JBS does was kind of important for me personally, not so that I wouldn't take it as personal. Yeah. Right. I just felt like hey, if I explained to them that we do different things and, and the setup is different, I thought that was better for my mental state. In terms of the team, <clears throat> um, you know, honestly, it, it, I don't. Sp- the, the reality is we started establishing a, a routine to meeting every week, developing the processes, um, and with the cross-functional team from various areas, from HR to mm-hmm. sales to business development to marketing to finance, all those folks, they had one thing in, in, in their head, and it was about bringing safety to our, to our family, to our Stampede family. I think that energy around the focus of keeping people safe has kept, the negative broad brush that's out there in in the industry around meat, uh, the meat industry, they haven't, they haven't been influenced. I've had, honestly, I haven't had to do anything about keeping people positive because they've recognized that our number one focus is putting processes in place to keep people safe. And that includes them. So they're driven by that. They're motivated by that. And, you know, we're 70 plus safety protocols in place um, and the importance of our team not only having the positive energy around bringing safety, but also communicating that to everybody else and enforcing it has really been yeah. the, kind of the driving force for them.
0: Now, the one thing that you, you I guess we can't debate uh, is that, you know, as much as the negative headlines, they were there for a reason. Mm-hmm. So there were obviously plants that got clusters mm-hmm. of, you know, 25% positive rates yep. up to, I think mean, the highest I saw was over 50% yep. positive um, when they did a hundred percent testing. So that, I mean, those, those that, that obviously that's real. Yeah, for that's sure. real, Those real numbers. Yeah. So what, like, I know we don't have insight yeah. necessarily on exactly yeah.
1: what they did, but, but why? I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. It's a really good question. Without going in and, and understanding, you know, I think you use the term all the time, uh, fish rots from the head down, right? So you had raised it in a morning meeting that, you know, we need to make sure that we were ahead of it. And in my opinion, we were. We mm-hmm. got on top of it. We didn't discount the impact. We said, okay, we need to put things in place to p- make keep people safe. And I don't know if that was the same mindset in the other facilities. I would hope Mm -hmm. they were. Um, We put things in place like wearing facial PPE. We're a three-layered approach. We've continued to ensure that we're not just establishing protocols, but we're enforcing those protocols. And it's peer-to-peer enforcement. So Mm -hmm. somebody on the line sees somebody else not acting in the right way, we we communicate. Make sure you're telling them to wear their face mask, right? If people are pulling their face mask under their nose, make sure we're we're telling them so I think that's really what we did to help eliminate the spread of the virus um, but I, it's hard to say that was that that same mindset in these other facilities I, I would have hoped they were but maybe yeah. they were a little bit later in the game
0: in the game yeah yeah which makes a, obviously a world of difference sure. given how quickly this seems to spread
1: yeah I mean if <clears throat> even in our case you know we, we had we haven't had the significant peaks or anything, but it was all early on. Over 30% of our positives were in the month of April, I believe. Yeah. And then they've kind of declined ever since. Yeah. So I, I just think being ahead of it early is is critical and getting people to not just establish protocols, but enforce those protocols throughout the process and not let their guard down.
0: Well, one of the other things I think that the the, the COVID task force did well and did early in the process is you know looking for common touch points and either eliminating yep. them or getting cleaned uh, mm-hmm. pretty frequently and I was on a call with um, a chap recently and he was they got audited because hmm. uh, the health department came in and, and I said well, what were the findings just because you know wanted to know and one of the things that he mentioned was they had they had magazines in their lunchroom and I'm like and they got dinged for that and I'm like I'm like and I'm back I thought Duh, like, how, did yeah, yeah. Not, how did you not see that? I do not see that as a common touch point that no. would, you know, because people would, ha- you know, personally yep. they would handle it multiple sure. times during yep. the day. So it's it's uh, you know I give credit to the to, to some of the early thinking to around transmission, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to prevent, you know, the virus from spreading because that's I think a big part of the success.
1: There's no question. I mean, I'll use an example that you threw out early in the game was you know we're a wellness organization right so we used to have fruits and vegetables in the kitchen right And you said hey right away you were like you know maybe that we postpone those fruits and vegetables so on one side we're trying to be the <laughs> wellness right. around fruits and vegetables for yeah. snacks but then i was, it was the right thing to do because people put their hands in there yep. unknowingly yep. like we talked about you know historically there's you know over 50 percent of these folks are asymptomatic so they don't even know they have it so they don't know if they're touching a piece of fruit and and potentially contaminating it for the next person so i think you're right doing things like that increasing the the frequency of those uh cleanings and and, you know we went from jesus we went from every hour to every 45 minutes to everything now we're just kind of pretty much continuously cleaning all those high touch high touch points so i think you're right i think that was a critical piece that I think, seemed minor at the time, yeah. but actually played a pretty big role.
0: Where do we stand right now in terms of our numbers? So as of
1: August, uh, what are we, 19th, uh, 2020, we uh, we have three individuals still recovering from COVID-19 um, across all our facilities. Um, there are various stages of the recovery point, just really waiting for release from their doctors to come back to work. it yeah. improves every day. Um, numerically, our positivity rate is at... 0.2 percent of our total population, yeah. um, and we have not had a COVID positive in any of our facilities or any of our team members, members or, or attempts uh, over the last six weeks. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, it's
0: it's it's good progress. It's good progress. So, I, I mean, in light of that, those are pretty stellar numbers. I mean, what, what do you? Yeah, I mean, you're the leader of this this COVID task force. What yeah. are you? What are you telling them now?
1: Like, yeah. So, I would say it's uh, twofold. One is we have to stay diligent not become complacent. I think that's what you see in in the general public these days, right? The weather gets a little bit warmer. Let's go to the beach. Let's have people over. Everybody's let their guard down a little bit. So my my message has been, guys, we can't let our guard down because there is a second wave and we see it statistically happening as people have let their guard down. The numbers are going up. That's number one. And number two, we have to just reinforce to our Stampede family, not just adherence to the protocol on site but again, also off-site. Because yeah. the spread happens, we can control, we can control in these four walls, but if somebody brings it in, it'll eliminate the spread here because of what we put in place, but it doesn't eliminate the risk to their families outside here. Because in my book, great, the numbers are great, they're progressed, they've progressed extremely well down to 0.2%, but one positive is one positive too many.
0: Yeah.
1: Because um, you don't know what that leads to. If we're going to eradicate this virus as a World, you got to get it to zero. Yeah. Because if there's one person carrying it, it multiplies pretty quickly. So
0: it was interesting. I was chatting with Christina on this subject last week, and, and she said to me, uh, Vito you know, always says, Don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. Don't let that's what she remembers. Don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard yeah. down. So clearly that message is uh, having an impact. What's the most uh, innovative thing we either have done or are working on within the, uh, uh, within the policy?
1: I think the three level face coverings was critical so our all our production employees need to wear either two masks and a clear face shield or one mask a neck gator pulled over their nose and mouth and a face shield i think that's been critical uh, i think we implemented that and there was some pushback initially right because cdc says just wear a mask and then well, why do we have to wear three and yeah. but clearly it's 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 had an impact i yeah. think that's as simple as it sounds that that's been one innovative thing we've put in place. I think the second is around uh, communication, the various modes of communication that we've used. so obviously we've put it on our monitors throughout the buildings. but I think kind of the, the decals on the uh, throughout the facility on the floor both inside and outside. Um, I thought the window decal on the car uh, windows was was a pretty innovative thing where we said right if you share a ride mask up inside. Just again, keeping it top of mind, even as they leave the facility, because again, if they catch it somewhere else and bring it here, they may not spread it while well on a plant floor, but they might if they jo- if they share a ride, they could spread it in the car. So, yeah. um, I think those have been the the two biggest things that we've done innovatively. So, what
0: about the I don't know if it's come up or not within the context of 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 the task force and how they view things, but um, it seems apparent to me that the values. Uh, we're, we're, we're and still are in play as the, as the COVID task force meets weekly to review the, the overall policy. Well,
1: that's the beauty of the values, Brock, is that they become subconscious to everybody. Mm. <clears throat> we just do it naturally, but I mean, you go down the list, right? We've we committed the teamwork, yep. starting with the task force and their commitment to the safety of the rest of the team. Even within the team working together, they're constantly challenging. Me and everybody else respectfully to say if i say like hey nope don't want to go to two masks. i want to stay with you know mask and a neck gator they respectfully you know push back and say hey wait a minute you know we've got a, a complaint from our employees that it's too hot it's a fair complaint makes you think yeah. um i think <clears throat> you know we've been passionate about it because we want everybody to be safe nobody likes the fact that people are Um, their health is at risk to begin with. And then ultimately that that it trickles when you do contact tracing that, you know, one person could equal six people being out of work financially. So um, I think that's been um, their passion around that has been um, exemplary. And then, you know, always improving. And every single meeting there's always improvement. We're looking for improvement. So improving daily kind of is just, again, inherent in everything we're doing is the values and it's subconscious, which has been a good thing to see.
0: So you mentioned 70-plus different things that we're doing. When, when do you see it, us backing off? When do you see that, you know, we can get back to normal for people?
1: So, you know, my answer is I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the virus seems to be gaining some, some momentum again um, mm-hmm. as we see the positive rate increase throughout the world, not just in the U.S., not just in our states where we play. Um, So my focus is not when are we going to get off. It's more about how do we just keep beefing up the current program we have. I think if we start focusing on when and giving it a timeline, we're going to waste potential energy on something that may not occur on the timeline that we think. Um, There's so much unknown about the virus still yet. So my sole focus is how do we continue to strengthen the program, Uh, focusing on eradicating the spread, and focusing on our Stampede family kind of staying safe. The return to normal has a couple of unknowns. One is the timing. That's number one. And number two, what's the definition of normal going forward? I don't know. Do I see masks going away, to be quite honest? Probably not. Because, you know, today it's the coronavirus or COVID-19. Tomorrow it could be something else. So I think we want to stay ahead of it and say let's just be precautionary because wearing a mask prevents the spread of any germs, any germs. Right. So let's just kinda of keep it in place and so we'll see. We'll see what the new norm looks like. But right now I haven't I don't want to even give the impression that I've thought about it, nor do I want to give the team the idea that, hey, what do we want to look like in the next phase yeah. quite yet? Because I don't know where that next phase is coming.
0: Got it. So you talked about, you know, the safety of the team and potentially an improved outcome of being which which I totally concur with that you know whether it's the flu or I don't know how many times I've gone to the doctor and said, you know. because I got a virus. you got a virus. Yeah. You've yeah, like, got yeah. <laughs> to tough it out. I'm like, I
1: don't
0: want to tough it out.
1: Give me a bill. There's nothing I can give you. has <laughs> <laughs> got to take yeah.
0: So they send you away. But that that's happened to everybody mm-hmm. that I've talked to. And so this is just kind of one of. But if you look at, you know, kind of broadly, you know, COVID-19 and the bucket that we're in and the increased percentages of that heading into flu season, what's – if, what's the biggest risk you see now? Like, how, what, are, what are we fighting now? What behaviors are we fighting now?
1: Complacency.
0: Yeah.
1: I think we're all tired, right? Yeah. Again, like we talked earlier, you thought, you know, we'll get control. I thought mm-hmm. two to three months. Yeah. You get past that two to three months and you're like, shit, this going <laughs> to right? So I think complacency yeah. is the biggest thing yeah. that we've been fighting and we talk about every week on our task force calls. It's about keeping it top of mind, yeah. um, putting things in place to help the safety, but not just because they help in safety, but also because it's a demonstration of it being top of mind
0: for no, the the task, saying, one, yeah. right?
1: So if I if we figure out a solution for misting, yeah. it may not be that the mister is necessarily better than you know UV lighting, and we might do both. But if they see the mister they know that, okay, it's still top of mind. Yeah. Safety still important. I need to think about it. So yeah. it's critical, the complacency, because we're seeing it, like we talked about earlier. We've seen it outside of here. As much People want to get back to their own normal, and yeah. by doing that, I think it creates additional risk, and I just want to make sure this family here in St. Pete doesn't kind of get complacent and, and do the same things.
0: And from a... Um <clears throat> yeah, we're, not doing, we're, we're, we're not obviously we're not doing this for competitive advantage, but uh, we have had in recent weeks plants close, mm-hmm. um, and they closed on the basis of um, you know clusters mm-hmm. basically emerging. So you know one of the things I'm telling the sales organization is, hey guys, let's pay attention, uh, not just to those, but as an example, Michigan and the entire state issued yeah. a, uh, the governor issued an executive order that basically said 100% testing. And we have heard, I heard from the sales team yesterday that uh, Wolverine is an example. One of our competitors really is really struggling with that now, uh, creates some issues, which is uh, terrible. I mean, we live, we live through it. It's on sure. the park. So, but, you know, do you see a world where, if we continue to, as you say, keep our foot on the gas uh, of the policies that we've got around this, that we just maintain a healthier population in general, that's more able or apt or um, positioned to respond? When maybe dislocation of supply becomes, you know, um, I wouldn't say the norm, but yeah. but, but certainly hits other competitors.
1: Yeah, yeah, one, our our core family is safe, and we're we're structured with our labor force in place to be able to respond. In addition to that, it, when well, call Spanish we're marketing all the safety initiatives that we have in place as we go try and recruit for additional labor. Yeah. It's important for people to know that they can come here and be safe. Somebody else down the road might be getting shut down because yeah. they have a cluster. We don't, so we need that to help, you know, beef up our labor pool as well, and that again help us to be able to react to opportunities where they arise where yeah. the displacement is occurring.
0: So one of the one of the things about this kind of crazy lockdown is uh, you're kind of. For me, anyway, I'm forced to spend a lot more time with family. So, Jacob's been with us since spring break. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, well, once they, Jill and he got back from Arizona, and then uh, Kevin and, and Cam have been with me since uh, early March, yeah. uh, mid March, I guess, uh, when they moved out of their uh, apartment and moved in, into the house. So, I mean, obviously, everybody, like, you know, I, you know, I mean, I, I'll, I'll remember the drive back in the RV with Jacob mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and Jill forever. Cause it was just never thought I'd be in that role in that position. And now it looks like that's going to be the way of commuting back and <laughs> forth between uh, the home in Arizona and here in Chicago. Um, but even, you know, like playing the board games yeah. and Scrabble and, you know, things that I haven't personally done for years, but was now able to kind of connect on a whole different level with yeah. uh, particularly particularly online cam. And then you know more recently with Jacob and, and Jill as well around the table. So, I'm just curious as to, you know, your situation. What's going to be your favorite or the funniest memory or the favorite memory from uh, at least thus far in the uh, in the world of COVID nineteen?
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting time. I keep telling my wife that you know I agreed to for better or for worse. I just didn't agree to seven days a week, twenty four hours a day. To be honest, <laughs> but, um, as Meg was home for a little for a while, so but a couple of things you know I think as you know like is seven years old? Uh, my daughter Isabella, is seven years old and. Uh, Getting a unique perspective from her, a couple stories. One, she was out of school early in terms of they shut down, and you know, conveniently my wife was furloughed, so she became her at-home teacher, <clears throat> and I kind of had played a backseat on that front. But anytime something wasn't going well, you know, my daughter started calling me the principal because I would come in at the back end if something wasn't going <laughs> to go yell at her to make sure she was doing it right. So I, I got the role of principal. Uh, but the one that cracked me up the most was we were watching TV and uh, there was a commercial for Corona beer. And, and Izzy looked at me and she goes, so Papa, is that how this all started? Somebody drank Corona and then spread the virus to everybody? And I looked at <laughs> her and I said, you know, beer leads to a lot of spreading stuff. Not the Corona.
0: So I'm yeah, good. So, yeah, so she had the
1: belief that, that because it's called Corona, that's what's called the coronavirus spread the
0: Corona virus. Well, listen, thank you very much for, for you and the, COVID team for what you guys are doing. I mean, I, uh, you know, I don't sleep a lot, uh, to yeah. begin with. I'm yeah. a pretty short duration, but I am sleeping better because of what the work that group is doing. So, and I know, um, while well, the employees might complain from time to time, because they do that, um, I know that all of our team members are safer because of what we're doing. Um, and my only encouragement is keep the foot on the gas. Yeah. I mean, as much as we know this is investment for us and it's costing us money as a company yeah. to do what we're doing, uh, I, I don't view it as cost. I view it as investment. Yeah, um, and not just in their safety but in our future as a company to demonstrate that we're doing the right thing by people. So,
1: Absolutely. We, we will continue to do it, and it's important that everybody feels the same way about their commitment to it because together is the only way we're going to get this eradicated. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to Stampede Insights. Join us in the future for new episodes and to meet more of our Stampede Meat family.